Hey, this is Steve Allen. I'm the pastor of Destiny Christian Center in Laplace, Louisiana. I want to thank you for joining us today on the Discovering Your Destiny broadcast. I hope it builds your faith, helps you to grow in every area of your life. Enjoy this message. We're going to continue our study on the book of Philippians. We finished the first chapter of uh, Philippians. Now we're going we're gonna to go on to the second chapter. You can start turning your Bibles to the second chapter of Philippians. Now, one thing I noticed um, that's very interesting about Paul's letters, in, in most of his letters, he placed a strong emphasis on unity. And I believe that the reason he spends so much time talking about unity is because there's power in unity. And even though he's writing to, to this church, I want you to know that he's writing to you as an individual. He's writing to us uh, corporately. And he's also writing to us who, who are married. So wherever you, you want to insert this, the principle is true that there is power in unity. Can I get you to say that? Tonight, there is power in unity. unity. Now, another thing that Paul understood and what I want us to understand is that Satan thrives off of division. The devil wants us to be divided. The devil wants us to be, be divided at home. The devil wants us to be divided in church. The devil wants you to be divided on your job. He just thrives off of division. Let's let's read the first verse here. And you have your Bibles? He says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels of mercy. Now the Amplified says, so by whatever appeal to you there is in our mutual dwelling in Christ by whatever strengthening or consoling or encouraging our relationship in him affords by whatever persuasive incentive there is in love by whatever participation in the Holy Spirit we share and by whatever depth of affection and compassionate sympathy. Now, now I want you to notice uh, in that King James version, I want you to notice three things that's mentioned here. Uh, number one, he mentions the consolation in Christ. And that word consolation means encouragement. And then he says comfort and love. And then he says fellowship of the spirit. Now, what he's showing us here is that we have a basis for unity. Now, now, now let's, let's, let's look at this. He says, since we are in Christ, now... Being in Christ is our position. So my natural status, my skin color, my educational background, my bank account doesn't matter because we are all in Christ. Tell it, tell somebody right by we're all in this together. So, so, so in Christ, there's no big saints and little saints. We are, we are all in this 
together. And Paul is saying, since we're all in Christ, we have a basis for unity. We have this in common. We're all in Christ. So we, have, we ought to be unified. Then secondly, he talks about the comfort of love. And, and this is the comfort of being loved by our Father. You see, God is our Father and he loves us all the same. Boy, isn't that good news? And since our daddy loves all of us the same way, we have a basis for unity. He t- Tell your neighbor, God don't love you no more than he loves me. <laughs> and then thirdly, Paul says, since we have the fellowship of the Spirit, we have the basis of unity. In other words, the Holy Spirit lives in you and the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in you, same Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in, he lives in all of us if we're saved. Now, now, now notice at the end of, of verse 1, he's talking about bowels and, and mercy. The word bowels means to be sensitive to the needs and feelings of others. So, so um, he says, this, this is who we are. And, and I want you to say this. I want you to say this because I really want you to get this in your spirit. Let me hear you say, I am sensitive, I am sensitive. to the needs and feelings of others. That's, that's who we are and that's who we became at the new birth. We became sensitive people. Now you may not be acting like it, but that's who you are. And that last word is mercies, which means compassion or feeling the sorrow of another and desiring to alleviate the sorrow. So this is who we became at the new birth. You became a person of mercy. So Paul is saying because of these things, we have the basis for unity. So we have a good foundation for unity. Tell somebody right by you again that we are, we're all in this together. And, and look at them and say unity is possible. And I want you to understand this. Now, when we say that unity is possible, it's possible in marriage. It's possible in my home. It's possible in my church. It's possible on my job. Unity is possible. I just can't get along with nobody. I'm telling you that unity is possible. Now, look at verse number two. He says, fulfill ye my joy that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. He says, I find great joy in unity. And I want you to understand this. God finds great joy in unity. Now, the devil is grieved by unity. And he finds great joy in division. So wherever there's division, you know that Satan is at work. And I want you to understand something else. Wherever there's division, Satan is happy. But we make the father, is it cold in here? 
we make the Father happy when we operate in unity. Just cut it down just a little bit. We make the Father happy when we operate in unity. Now, I want you to notice he says, fulfill ye my joy. And then he lists four ways that unity is manifested. The first thing he says is, be like-minded. Tell somebody, be like-minded. So, so whenever unity is manifested, it will always be manifested in like-mindedness. The key to being like-minded is seeing a situation, listen to this, the way that Christ sees it. Oh, I got to help you tonight. Let me take marriage for an example. The key to being like-minded in marriage is seeing things from Christ's perspective. That's the only way that you're going to be like-minded. Because if I see it from my perspective, and my wife sees it from her perspective, it's going to always be different. And it's going to cause division. Anybody know I'm telling the truth? So the only way that we're going to get on the same page is that we both got to see things from Christ's perspective. Now, I'll tell you that this requires a lot of discipline. For you to stop seeing things from your perspective and to start seeing things from from Christ's perspective, it takes some discipline. It's going to take some work. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, in the heat of the moment, you got to say, wait, 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 wait. What does Christ say about this? <laughs> Can you imagine? I want you to think about this. Now, you're trying to give your way. You're trying to give your point, and, and, and your, your, your spouse is trying to give her point, and, and somebody said, wait. What's Christ's perspective? Now, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work because everybody won't get their point across. Don't y'all look at me like that. You know you won't get your... But it's going to take... But let me tell you something. Anything that's worth it requires work. Oh, I'm going to help some married folk here tonight. And even as a church, if we would ask ourselves, how does Christ see it? we could be like-minded. The reason why there's division in the church is because everybody wants their way. But if we all could say, let's get God's perspective on this, we could see unity. We will never be like-minded just seeing things from our perspective. Did you get that? Now, the second manifestation of spiritual unity is mentioned in this verse. He says, having the same love or demonstrating the same love, which basically means to love others the way, the way that Christ loved you. Boy, boy, boy. Now, 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 all of us can make this personal. How, and you need to ask yourself this question. How has Christ loved me? How has, how has he loved me? When you did what you did 
and you didn't want nobody to know and you told him about it, did he tell anybody else? Did he throw it in your face? Did he remind you of it later? Did he keep a record of it just in case he wanted to bring it up later? Well, the same way that Christ loved you, you ought to love others the same way. Ooh, it's a mess in here tonight. The same way that Christ loves you, the same way that Christ respects you, the same way that he honors you, you got to flip that over and treat everybody else that way. Now, this, this, you're going to you're gonna have to ask yourself, you have to take inventory of your own life. Now, the third manifestation of the spirit of unity is to be on one accord. And that simply means work towards a common goal. Now, now, now listen to this. The common goal that we all should have should be bringing people into the knowledge of Christ. That ought to be all of our goal. I, I don't care what else you do. Your goal ought to be bringing people into the knowledge of Christ. Is that all right? And then the fourth manifestation of the spirit of unity is to have one mind. Now the word mind in this verse means one purpose. So our common purpose is to glorify God. Your purpose, my purpose, everybody in here, if you're saved, your purpose ought to be to glorify God. Not to give yourself glory, but to glorify God. Now, now, now let's look at verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better, better than himself. Themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Wow. Somebody looking at me said, now you ask a hard thing of me. So we started off with the basis of unity, and Paul talks about the, the manifest, manifestation of unity, but now we see the cause of disunity, or we see the cause of division. Now, what I'm teaching you here tonight is true whether it's family, whether it's church, or any kind of organization. We see the root cause of all disunity or all division in these verses. Self-promotion or the desire to be number one no matter the cost. I'm right even if it means I'm going to tear this marriage up. Now, when I say the desire to be number one, I'm saying that we want to be right all the time with no compromising. Ooh, I'm walking down somebody's street here tonight. You know anybody that wants to be right all the time? Don't 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 say nothing too loud. Now you know anybody that wants to be right all the time with no it's my way or the highway. Oh, glory to God. 
And then the second thing that he lists here is vainglory. Listen to this. This is a desire for personal prestige. A desire to be admired by others. A desire to have a seat on the platform. <laughs> I'll give you an example. It's kind of like it's kind of like that preacher that goes to visit a church and 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 he, he gets offended when they don't sit him on the platform. Well, where the minister's sitting at. I'm Dr. Sorens. Where where they where they put the preachers. You don't put me back here. I want to be up front so I can be recognized as a minister. Vainglory means the desire to be looked up to. Now, is vainglory or it's, it's empty arrogance because it's not a result of God's favor. It's a result of you pushing to be seen or pushing to be promoted. Tell somebody that's vain, vainglory. Now, now, I read this verse, uh, the third verse in the Message Bible, and it says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. says, put yourself aside and help somebody else get ahead. You know, all of us need to ask ourselves the question, how many people have I helped? Everybody has their own agenda. But the question is, let me tell you something. You have not really lived successfully if you hadn't helped somebody else. Mm. See, I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I leave a legacy of people that have... My, my spiritual father says something to me. My spiritual father... That clock ain't on. My spiritual father says something to me... Uh, when we first got together, he said, son, I want to make sure that you excel above me. He says, if you don't do better than I've done, I have failed you as a father. And see, all of us, we have to look at ourselves and look at our lives and ask ourselves the question, how many people have I helped along this way? You know, you, you go around counting all the stuff that you've acquired for yourself and everything that you've done for yourself. I, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this. But if, 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 if nobody else is on that list, uh, somebody that you've helped, you have not been really successful. I don't care how many cars you have. I don't care how big your house is. I don't care how much money you have. You are not truly successful until you help somebody else. Oh, that didn't go over well at all. You are not a true success. If you haven't helped somebody else. Now, thirdly, the third thing that causes division uh, has to do with the concentration of self-desires. It's, it's a selfish agenda only focusing on what you need and what, what interests you. Now, I want you to listen to this. You know, when I was, I was looking at this today, I was saying, you know, this is really not new because Jesus had to deal with this. When he was here physically, the Bible said he selected 70 people to be his disciples. And can't you imagine these 70 people? I mean, they're high-fiving each other in the crowd. Hey, 
Hey, we made it. We made the team. Man, oh, we made it. I don't know about y'all, but we made it. And then the Bible says he chose 12 disciples that would be a little closer to him than the 70. Now, you know they celebrated because not only are they on the team, but they're starters. <laughs> so they can say, we're not a part of the 70. We're closer to him than the other folk. Oh, Lord, sound like church folk right here. But then out of the 12, he picked three. Peter, James, and John who would go with him on special assignments. Now, every time he had a special assignment, he would tell the other nine, look, y'all stay here. Peter, James, and John, y'all come go with me. Now, can you imagine how the other nine felt? Hey, go again. I've given as much money to this ministry as they have. I've worked hard in this ministry and every time he wants to go do something special, Peter, James, and John. Why, we got to stay here. Why, Peter, James, and John. They ain't no better than us. Look at Peter, James, and John got anger issues. Peter swinging a sword. Why they always got to go? I'm just as spiritual. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus had to deal with the same stuff. One day they was walking. And the Bible says all 12 of them started arguing amongst themselves about who's the greatest. Oh, that sounds like church folk to me. I'm more anointed than her. When I lay these hands on somebody, things happen. She praying, don't nothing move. But you step back, let me pray something happen. Who's the greatest up here in DCC? So Jesus had to deal with the same kind of issues that we deal with today. Because you know why? Whenever you're dealing with human nature, it's all, it always moves folk towards self. Where are my married folk again? Wow. I can solve your marital problems tonight. I've got the answer to all of your marital problems tonight. I, 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 if you just follow my instructions, I'm going to solve every one of your marital problems right now. Y'all ready? <laughs> Remove selfishness. Selfishness. 99% of the problems are related to selfishness. Oh, Lord, I'm going to say it again. I can solve all of your marital problems right now. 
if you will just get rid of selfishness. 99% of your problems in marriage are tied to selfishness. Oh, no, pastor. But he cheating. He cheating because he's selfish. Oh, well, what about my wife? He, she won't clean up. She keep her dirty house because she's selfish. Everything can be related back to selfishness. Look how y'all looking at me. <laughs> I mean, he say selfishness. I want my way. I want it to be my way. I did it my way. I want it my way all the time. When you married me, I was like this. Now you want me to change. You were selfish. Yeah, I do want you to change. Because you can't be selfish when you're married. Oh, I'm a married folk. Come on, smile at me. Smile at me. Now, now, the third verse says, listen to this. Let each esteem others better than themselves. So how do you do that? How do you do that, Pastor? I'll use use my wife and I again as, as an example. What I have to do is I've got to choose, listen to this now, to see her side first. Before I think about it, before I make up my mind about it, I put my position or my thinking on the matter aside and I hear her side first. And let me tell you why, why, why this is really important. If I make a decision on the matter before I hear her, I'll see her position through a fog. And the fog is my personal opinion. Because I've already established what I think about it. So even while she's talking, I'm hearing through what I've already established in my mind. Are y'all in here? So she can talk all she wants. I've already made my decision. And she can be making sense. But I've already made my decision. So if 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 I'm gonna if I'm gonna do it right, I gotta hear before I even think about it, before I make my mind up, before I make a decision on the thing, I gotta hear what she's got to say so I'll hear it clearly. Because if I think about it too long, I'm gonna make my mind up before I hear what she's got to say. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And you don't want to negotiate with me once I made up my mind. Because whatever you say, I can combat it. I don't care if you do say the carpet is blue. If I made up my mind that it's gold, you can talk about, look at it, look at it. I don't see nothing but gold. 
And there's some gold in there. So I have to make a decision. Let me hear her side first. Did that help anybody? You you think that could help in making decisions in the home? Hear your spouse. And I'm not just saying, I'm not just saying for the man to hear the, 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 uh, the wife's side first. I'm saying this has got to work both ways. Sisters, are y'all with me? Oh, okay, okay. So scripture says, you esteem the other person first. I'm, I'm doing some, some marital counseling here tonight. Now, this is not just for marriage. This will work in life. That, that verse says, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. And listen to this. What you make happen for another man, God will have someone to come along and make something happen for you. Have you ever, have you ever, ever experienced that? You put your, your own self aside and look, I, I'm going to help this person. And then God made a way. God had somebody to come and God shows you favor through somebody else. I promise you'll do it every time. Now, now verse 4 talks about, about it also. It talks about being attentive uh, to what others need rather than worrying about what you want. Now, married folk, your responsibility is not to think about what you need. Your responsibility is to think about what your spouse needs. And your spouse's responsibility is to think about what you need. Now, if we get people to do this, we can start seeing some heaven on earth. (laughs) But it requires, listen to this, it requires us being humble. Now, the Message Bible says, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand to someone else. Now, it's going, to take, it's going to take some humility. Now, humility means forgetting self while serving others. This is a wonderful class here tonight. Humility is the key to having unity in any situation. I was thinking today, and, and, and I'll, I'll close after I tell you about this. I was thinking today... Matter of fact, you can turn turn to Genesis chapter thirteen. Forgetting self while serving others—that's humility. Classic illustration is found right here in Genesis chapter thirteen. And look at verse number seven. Got it? Genesis is in the beginning of the Bible. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell in the land. Now, you know, when I read this earlier today, I'm, I'm like, okay, what, what the Canaanites and the Perizzites got to do with it? Why you just threw them in here? Well, we're going to find out why, why they were thrown in there. And Abraham said unto Lot, 
Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Now, what's so powerful to me is Abraham was so spiritually sensitive that he realized that others were watching. You see, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, who were outside of God, were watching them argue in the valley. And Abraham says, wait, there should be no strife between us because we're brethren. Oh, Lord, listen to this. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites are watching. You see, listen, you should carry or we should carry ourselves in such a way that the world should never hear us fussing. Mm. Now I'm about to get in trouble. Monday morning, my wife took my dog Reuben outside. She took him out to walk him in the yard or to use the, the, the bathroom and the restroom with the tapati. Well, she took him out without his leash. And uh, so I said to her, don't you think you ought to put him on the leash? Now, he's already outside. And as soon as I said, don't you think you ought to put him on the leash, Reuben took out running after another dog. So when Reuben started running after the other dog, I got hot. I started screaming. I said to her, I told you. I told you. To put, I told you don't take him out there without, I told you. And you know what? She started screaming back. <laughs> I wasn't ready for the scream back. <laughs> she, not only did she start screaming, she, she was clapping her hands. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? I got into this woman. So, she said, I don't know what she said, but whatever it was, it was loud and her hands was clapping. So, and, and, and so I don't scream and she's screaming. And then I realized that the Canaanites and the Parasites was, oh Lord have mercy, was watching. So you know what I did? I eased back in the house. I eased back in the house. I can't, you know, if we, we're having a screaming match on the front lawn, by the time we get to, to, to out in the, in, in, in the public, we're fighting. Man, you should have saw him, man. It was, that man, she hit him in the jaw, and he pushed her in the stomach. Out. It was crazy. So I eased back in the house. And uh, mumbling, I repented, because I sure said, I hope he run all around the neighborhood. I repented, though. I repented. I repented. <laughs> I sure did. I ain't going. I went inside, so I ain't going to help her. Because all I had to do was call him. He's going to come when I, I tell him to come. But I'm, hey, bro, I was hiding. I said, so you mean to tell me she's going to scream at me? When I told her not to bring him out and she gonna scream at me, you I hope he run her all over the neighborhood. 
but, but I, I promise you, I, I had to catch myself because I know that the Canaanites were looking. Look at the preacher. Got his big old head on the billboards on radio. Out here cussing his wife out. You know I'm going. You know they were having me cussing. And let me tell you something. What I'm trying to tell you is, I know, I know, I don't, and I'm talking married folk uh, specifically. I know. Well, I need to talk to all of us. I know that you're going to have heated fellowship sometime. It, it, it's it's going to happen. It's it's going to happen. You're going to have some heated fellowship sometime. But there's absolutely no way in the world you ought to be hollering at each other in public. Tell you something else. You ain't got no business hollering at each other in front of those kids. You gotta learn how to control yourself. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you going to, going to, going, you know, I could have waited till she came in the house. I told you. So, you, you, got to, you got to learn some control. So, listen, listen. You ain't got no business being all out in public. And, and, and let me just tell you, even folks that's not married, you're on the job screaming and hollering at each other and screaming and hollering at people. And then you want, honey, you want to go to my church? Go for what? <laughs> Won't you meet me in the church, son? I ain't going. If your church is doing what, is, what you got, you doing what you. I don't want. What y'all got the the Hatfields and McCoys over there? No, I ain't going to your church. We have to always be mindful. Abraham said, "Listen, let there be no strife between us." He says, "Man, we're in front of the world." We can't have no strife in front, of, in front of the world. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. He says, okay, now listen to this. He says, okay, here's how we're going to settle it. He says, and, and I want you to remember this now, as it relates to Lot. You can read the story later on. Lot ain't had no business there anyway. Because when, 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 when God told Abraham to leave his father's house, he told him to leave them behind. But, but, but Abraham just loved his nephew, Lot, and he brought him along. So really, Lot didn't have, he, he, he should have been getting nothing. He, 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 but he just, he just came along for the ride, and now his herdsmen are getting into it, and they're fussing over something, and everything belonged to Abraham anyway, because he's the one that got the promise. But Abraham says, listen, we can't have no strife. He says, now look, Lot, if you go left, I'll go right. And if you go right, I'll go left. The Bible says, Lot chose a land that looked the best. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. And not only did he get into Sodom, but Sodom got into him. 
And to make a long story short, if you read it all the way through, Lot got in a mess and he ended up with nothing. But Abraham ended up with everything. As far as your eyes can see, he ended up with everything. And I want you to see the difference. Lot was selfish and ended up with nothing. Abraham was humble and ended up with everything. So when you're selfish, you end up like Lot. But when you're humble, you end up like Abraham. Now, now boy, we've got to take these principles and really live by them. Look not every man on his own things, but, but every man also on the things of others. God will bless you when you are not selfish. And we got to get we we, we got to get beyond this. You got we got a lot of selfish folk in church. We want to be selfish and blessed. Tell somebody it don't work like that. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd love for you to do. First, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us to continue to reach others, visit our website at destinychristian.org slash radio. That's destinychristian.org slash radio. I'll see you next time on Discovering Your Destiny with Steve Allen.